Hey guys, my name is Aaron Shellen, and this is another episode of Around the World Sports. It's been a spell since I've been able to uh, conduct an interview. Uh, now that my responsibilities with the Chicago Dogs are complete, I can get back at it. Uh, today's interview is with Jack Michaels, and Jack has been the play-by-play voice of the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks of the American Association since 1995. He also does play-by-play for the University of North Dakota uh, and hosts his own daily sports talk show up in Fargo. Uh, We talk about the current American Association uh, baseball season, uh, how he got into broadcasting, and he gives some really great suggestions for people like you and me, frankly, who are looking to knock down that door and get into the broadcasting industry themselves. Thanks for watching, and I hope you enjoy it. And I am here tonight with Jack Michaels. Jack is, he's there, trust me, there he is. Jack is the sports director for uh, Midwest Radio Fargo-Moorhead. He's the current play-by-play voice of uh, North Dakota football as well as North Dakota women's basketball, along with the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks of the American Association uh, of Independent Baseball. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, he also hosts his own uh, daily talk show up in Fargo. So, Jack, uh, first, thanks for, for taking some time with me tonight. I, I wanted to, to catch up with you once uh, once the AA season came to an end for, for you and I, unfortunately. Uh, there are still teams playing, but the season came to an end for us. And I just wanted to take some time and, and you know, kind of pick your brain a little bit, kind of see what you thought about, about the season and uh, just – you know, kind of get to know a little bit about your past. So again, thanks for thanks for taking some time with me tonight. Good to be on with you, Aaron. I know that our first uh, encounter was when uh, you were in Fargo at Newman Outdoor Field, and and I looked at the guy to my left, and I thought, now that guy enjoys what he does as much as I enjoy what I do. So uh, it was kind of neat. We had to spend some time together in Fargo, and uh, and catch up and and get to know each other a little bit. And we both enjoy, obviously, what we do. So great to be on with you in this new form of Zoom, which I did not have 30 years ago when I started broadcasting. Yeah, that's got to make uh, it's it's got to make things it's got to make things easier. You know, I mean, I've been you know, I'm I'm a little bit younger than you. So, I mean, I've grown up with technology, but, you know, it's got to make this, you know, I know for me, it's, it's given me an outlet that wouldn't have existed if we were doing, if, if we were stuck in this, in the middle of this pandemic 10 years ago, you know, I've been using zoom to conduct these interviews and talk to people. And, and it's, it's, it's personal. It's the, the stories come across better doing it this way versus doing it over the phone for sure. It, you know, it, <laughs> I know we'll probably get into a lot of stuff tonight, but the uh, amongst the many things that I've been able to do in my career, I remember when I was working in a radio station, one of my early years, one of our local sales guys uh, developed, uh, he was talking to the local Fox TV guys in town, said, hey, how about if we do a, 
a Minnesota Vikings show. And this is before Fox had the NFL. And, uh, and they said, yeah, if Jack Michaels will host it, we'll get him and we'll put him with this other longtime legendary guy. And the legendary guy is well known. He'll sit and just Jack can bounce stuff off him. And your young guy, Jack, can host it all. And great. So I, sales guy came back and said, Jack, you're going to do a Minnesota Vikings show on Sundays prior to the, like, the Vikings pregame and all that. I said, great. So when I got over there and we started recording, because we recorded these, we weren't live. Um, and and the Fox people said, well, you can't use any video because we don't have access to the video oh. back then because the games were like CBS and everything. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, you want me to do a, a football show and I can't like kick to some highlights for goodness sake? Yeah, we, we better not, we can't do that. I mean, so I would literally interview NFL guys during the week and put them on those carts, you know, the little, they look like eight tracks mm -hmm. so, and, and put the and sound bites of those. So whether it was Mel Gray, a former punt returner or, you know, somebody that I had interviewed. So I'd, I'd list all his reports. Then the guy in the back of the room, when we do our Vikings time now for Vikings update. And I'd said, Hey, we got a chance to catch up with Mel Gray this morning. And I'd play it off. Like it's live and go Mel, like he's going to join me. You know, it got to be a point where I think I was saying, Hey, you know, Mel, I know you're getting taped up there. You got a big game against the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> Just, and then some guy in the back would hit that cart and hit play. And his response, I'm like, man alive, did we really do that? But yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, the, th the things you had to do to to, to put together a, a professional broadcast when you didn't have the technology that we have that we have today. So, yeah, absolutely. So, Jack, uh, first thing I want to talk about is um, the the. Uh, the AA season's not quite over yet. Um, uh, Milwaukee and Sioux Falls are, are actually, I think, just just gotten started in in Game Three of of the championship series tonight. The Milkman have a chance to close it out. They have a two nothing lead here. Um, what what's your what are your thoughts on on that on that series? Because I find it really interesting. It's sort of that that. Uh, you know, irresistible force of the Milwaukee pitching staff versus the immovable object of the Sioux Falls offense. And so far, pitching is the good pitching is defeated good hitting. And I, uh, you know, if you'd have caught me a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I would have said exactly what you first said. I thought, well, as good as Milwaukee is, and it's like an all star, especially when you get in the bullpen on top of, you know, forget Kuzmal and Holmberg and, Hernandez, I mean, who just have arms and arms and arm. Oh, look, here comes another arm. <laughs> and, but just viewing Sioux Falls, I thought, you know, I could see Sioux Falls getting a split on the road and then coming home in their park, which they just, you know, they Bird cage, well, man. <laughs> right. You know, fit well in the cage. I thought, you know, I could see this like a Sioux Falls on a, on a two, one lead coming out of that game four. And then in their park, maybe getting that to three one, but we faced we faced both down the stretch, Milwaukee and Sioux Falls and St. Paul late, and and as you know, and and let two get away with Sioux Falls. You know they won one game on a two run shot in the uh, top of the ninth, uh, took a one run lead and closed it out. Won the third game in that series. Sioux Falls down four to one, put up eight runs in the ninth inning. So I was all my chips are going Mike Myers Club. You know Coulter can't throw him anything. You know, Lago's going to knock the ball around the park. You know, they've got enough stuff, one through nine. Even Ryan Brett at the bottom of their lineup was getting action. Morales is tough to strike out. All this stuff for them. Uh, and I would have just totally gone two falls. Then we went to Milwaukee. 
And it was a battle. The Red Hawks, as you know, the starting pitching staff for the Red Hawks, like a who's who. It really was like triple-A ball every night, uh, calling games for, you know, Braden Hangins and Matt Tomshaw and John Anderson, my goodness, right down the list, Tyler Pike. And and the Red Hawks went toe-to-toe with Milwaukee. And I thought, hmm, I don't know if Milwaukee can can score enough runs against Sioux Falls. So I was really – chips were all in at Sioux Falls. And then you remember the adage in baseball where it truly is. I, I watched as much as Adam Brett Walker, player of the year, 22 home runs. I think Drew Ward for the Red Hawks, they'll give him a run for his money on that play. But I watched Adam Brett Walker dive and take a hit away in left field against the Red Hawks. I watched Brett Vertigan make a, make a front dive. I watched plays being made in right field. I watched Mason Davis go up the middle and take away hits. And the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, this uh, this pitching and defense Milwaukee has, I I, I started leaning back towards Milwaukee. Yeah. And and now we see they're up two games to none. And if you are t- if you're not scoring early, you're you may not score because their their pen is so late. So early on to me, it was like Sioux Falls offense, they'll get them. Let's not kid ourselves. Today's baseball, guys are gonna those band boxes and Sioux. But the more you put your mind to it, you're thinking, this doesn't shock me that Milwaukee's up two games to none. Not at all. Yeah, you know, I we played, the Dogs played their final, well, we're supposed to play their final seven games of the season against the Canaries. The last two got rained out. But there was, I mean, the, the birdcage, man, that's, I've never seen a ballpark like that. We played, that first series we played up there at the end of July, beginning of August, Dogs had a, a uh, had a 10 run ninth inning. That was the, they turned around. They were down nine, one going into the 10, into the ninth. They scored 10 in the ninth, ended up losing that game. Then they put up 13 runs the next game, 14 runs the game after that. I, I mean, I've, I've never seen a ball carried a right, right and right center field. Like I had at the birdcage. And when we were there at the end of the season, I, the, their offense was just, was rolling on all cylinders. There were no easy outs. I mean, you mentioned Ryan Brett at the bottom of the order. Even he, I mean, he had a bases clearing triple in, in one of those games. Right. That offense with 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 a healthy Jabari Henry and and with with Morales back in there that you know gets Coulter out from behind the dish and gets him out into right field. I mean, that lineup man was just stacked one through nine. And Milwaukee has, I mean, they shut him out two nights ago. So yeah, it just yeah, you would think like you said with with the way baseball is going now, you would think that eventually that lineup would. Um, you know, Logan Landon was as hot as any hitter in, in the American Association over the last two weeks. You would have just thought that that lineup would eventually, that it would eventually click. And it still might because the next two games and are, are right. in the birdcage. And, you know, you're you're just as likely to see a football score in, in Sioux Falls as you are a, a 2 nothing game. So um, it'll be interesting to see if, if Sioux Falls has, has the, the issue with Sioux Falls is do they have enough pitching to to hold off until their offense can get clicking. That's, that's going to be the question, you know, or are they going to get behind early and, and, and just not have enough time. So it'll be interesting to see how things go uh, in, in game three tonight and see if the Canaries can maintain, or if the milkmen are going to win it in just their second season. So um, it's it's a great story. We didn't mention Damick Tom Shea. I mean, it, it is a, it, it, to in football terms, it's like, I mean, you have to you you have to score enough uh, to win a football game. You know, mm-hmm. you have to you know the if, if it were going to be a shootout, 
And in Sioux Falls do it, Aaron, and you've seen this and nothing against the ground crew. They just don't have a lot of personnel yeah. that, uh, that, that operates that, that field. So there's so much use on it. And Sioux Falls is like a different hot than Fargo Moorhead is, you know, the weather that hits that. So as you know, the ball can jump around on, on cement, like choppy dirt at times. And so that's another factor. Yeah. It's funny when I do scoreboard updates during my broadcast, I'll be like, well, let's go over to impact field and see what's happening. Oh, Chicago leading Milwaukee 13 to, uh, to two let's check in Sioux Falls. Oh, it's only the fourth inning. We'll yeah. get back to you on that one. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, what three fifty to right center field. I mean, it, every single fly ball that went to right and right center field, you had to brace yourself because yeah, you know it's going to go. Yeah, it, it's going to go out, or it's going to hit an edge, and it's going to skip mm-hmm. out. Then it's then it's like polo grounds ish deep in parts of the field. Yeah, <laughs> and then little league fast pitch softball deep in parts of the other field. Yeah, it's it's. You ever do this, Aaron? I look and go, you know, you look at a player on on your team saying, okay, you know, what would what would Victor Roach, how many balls would he drive if he played in Sioux Falls every, every, you know, home game or, Mm. you know, we always say that, you know, it's, it's, it's not a disservice of players in Sioux Falls because it's baseball, you know, it's not slow pitch softball, but, you know, some fields lend themselves to certain hitters. uh, And, and I always think going, wow, just think of, Drew Ward played Sioux Falls. Yeah. For the dogs this year, it was, it was Joey Tardoslovich. He, he wore out Canary's pitching. Uh, he hit four or five home runs in, in the, in the six games in, in yeah. the birdcage. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a dead pole hitter. So, so it was you know, every ball he hit as a, as a, uh, as a lefty felt like it was going to leave the ballpark. So, uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, the games were fun to call, you know, but but it's it's hard to it's hard to win a championship in baseball at any level when you have a ballpark that's I guess that unique. I mean, just look at the Rockies, right? I mean, the Rockies have to build their roster around offense because the ball just the ball is always flying out of the park. It's it's just hard to put together a dominating pitching staff. And and it shows the Canaries are what back in the playoffs for the first time in a decade. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's hard to win when, when you have a ballpark like that, because yeah. and the ball it, jumps out of impact too, you know, uh, Chicago Rosemont has such a, it, it's unique. I love it because it's, it's nestled down. It's like uh, growing up in Wilson, North Dakota. I knew a friend who knew a guy who had a sunken living room. <laughs> you know, and you can go, he, he like, he owned a car dealership. He was a rich guy. Oh, you know? gotcha, yeah. Well, we've got a sunken living room. I wonder what that's like. It's impact field. You walk in here, it's got this nice, you feel like intimate there, mm-hmm. but there doesn't seem to be resistance on balls until maybe it reaches an atmosphere above. So you see balls just jump out, out of impact. You're not, and it's great, different than Sioux Falls, but still jump. I think, uh, uh, CHS is like that in St. Paul too. Fargo's unique because it's old Yankee stadium. And you know, right. this Aaron broadcast game, if you, you don't have a center fielder that can't cover ground left center gets pretty deep. And then I've seen players, Clint Coulter, or was it maybe it was Logan Landon for Sioux Falls mashed like three consecutive balls, you know, one four Oh eight caught one three ninety eight caught another one four Oh seven caught. And I and verbally, my mic picked up a, Oh, 
a profanity going, this field. And <laughs> I the adjective in there. Yep. But that's what they'll do to you. Yeah. Yeah, you know that's I one of the one of, I think the most interesting things about about um, Newman is are, are the dimensions are 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 um, replica of Yankee Stadium because yeah. Roger Maris played in far you know et cetera sure. et cetera but again you, like you said you have that huge left center and center field and then the really short right field porch so you're right you need a center fielder that can. That 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 that's rangy and and can play those can play that outfield position. You're going to play a lot of fly balls into in into double. So let me let me ask you about about this season because this was my first year uh, calling games for the dogs. My first season being involved with the American Association and and obviously it was a very unique season. Six only played sixty games and you had dispersal draft and you had players coming from other leagues because we were playing and other leagues weren't. What was your kind of your overall impression of the level of play compared to previous seasons? Because it seems to me just from an outsider's perspective that you have fewer teams, more players allows you to put together higher quality or higher caliber teams. Is that what you saw on the field, too? Or what were your thoughts on on just kind of this season in general? I think it played out, Aaron over the span of, as we got moving on this, because early on, uh, maybe pitchers weren't stretched out early. So maybe we, we saw bullpens taxed earlier in the year. Uh, some guys that maybe hadn't got some work in the cage or enough work, or maybe weren't in a big league camp that, that didn't have any swings. So we saw those, those raw parts early on. And then you, you coupled that with, you know, limited or very few fans, and so from an atmosphere standpoint to the play standpoint, I started going, well, it's baseball. We're playing. And then things started finding their, you know, the old saying of water seeks its level. Then you saw this talent seeking its level. And then I thought, oh, okay, here we go. You mentioned Joey Trudosovich driving ball. You know, obviously some of those dogs found their rhythm. Uh, same thing with the Red Hawks. And then the pitchers started getting stretched out. And then they started finding their points. You started seeing guys going six innings, seven innings. We had a guy, Matt Tomshaw, through three complete games. Uh, and you started seeing 100 pitches, 110. And I think it developed. And then this mix of talent that was AAA across the board. I saw guys that maybe tore up different leagues before and were playing in the American Association the first time. And I don't think overtly would say it, but probably thought, well, I'll come in this league and and rake a little bit. Why, yeah. why should I, why should my numbers drop? And there's, you know, batting 175, 212 going, what the heck? Well, we saw the arms and everybody, everybody had, had two or three arms that were either, if they weren't throwing 95 plus out of the pen, their, their, their stuff with their cutters and running balls in and razor sliders and maybe not complete command, but boy, you can see uh, the, with the, with the draft, how we, how the American association did that. We saw a lot of full teams that uh, that we probably aren't going to see again like this for a while. I would imagine if we do, great. Uh, but I think we saw a lot of condensed talent on clubs, which is why, to me, there were a number of teams still very much in it. Even the dogs, if you guys would have made a run uh, late, and I get it. I mean, it's a lot of games, travel. It's tough to climb teams. Right. You know, Red Hawks won eight straight down the stretch, like 10 or 12, and then dropped a few at the end. And still we're trying to fight to climb over. So it, you couldn't dig yourself a hole early. 
We saw Winnipeg jump out early, fall late. I think the season got to them, taxed yeah, them a little sure. bit. Uh, tired. Uh, but we saw what we saw. We saw uh, a lot of parity, saw a lot of battling uh, near the top, and then kind of log jammed in the middle with the bottom making some noise. And then the chips fell where they may with Milwaukee and Sioux Falls. But I thought the talent was off the charts. I, I think it was it, it was just fantastic baseball. I would have given my left part of my left intestine to play 40 more games to see what the 100 would have done, to see how many more runs would have happened. Uh, but I loved it. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been doing it since the Northern League and then Northern League merging into the American Association. And what I saw this year was like, just off the charts, great ball. I really, I really like, there was a couple of obviously games that got away from teams, but that's going to happen, but off the charts to me. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You talked about the, the parody and, and that really, I mean, the schedule with it being uneven, you know, the dogs played, it seemed like right. they played every other game against Milwaukee this season, you know, 60 right. game schedule. It felt like 40 of them were against the milkmen. So, you know, there was an uneven schedule, but it, there was a ton of parody. I mean, you talked about it. I mean, Winnipeg got off to a really, really hot start and, you know, playing every single one of their games away from home, you know, eventually that comes back to burn them. And, you know, you can't fault them there. You know, Milwaukee, their pitching staff really picked it up the second half of the season. The dogs made a bit of a run in the middle of the season when their offense started to... um Oh, there we go. Sorry, my camera just shut off for a second. Uh, the dogs made a run in the middle of the season when their offense started to pick up a little bit. Uh, their pitching staff struggled down the stretch. They had some injuries. They, last week and last week of the season, the dogs only had ten pitchers on their on their uh, on their pitching staff that were healthy to pitch. So, but yeah, it was it was you saw a lot of movement in in the standings, and I thought that was. Uh, I thought it was, you know, and that's what you hope for in in a situation like that where where you have uh, where you where you where you are, I guess, recruiting talent, so to speak, from from different leagues that 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 aren't playing. You would have a parity, and you wouldn't have one team that ran away from it, and 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 you didn't have that. So it, the dogs, you know, like like you mentioned, um, we stumbled a bit down the stretch, but even going into those final seven games against Sioux Falls, they weren't out of it. They needed, you know, they they had a they had to win, they had to win out that those last seven, but they had a shot going into the last week of the season. And that's, that meant that all six teams were in it coming into the final half dozen games of the season. So that, you know, I, I think, I don't think the, the American association could have asked for, for anything, anything better than that. I think the league showed, you know, they, they showed really well. Uh, there was a lot of talent there that, that I watched and I said, you know, this guy can play in the bigs or this guy has the talent to play in, in those high minor leagues. And, you know, I saw it, you know, I, I speak speak to what I saw, obviously, with the dogs, but Joey Tardasovich was in the major leagues. He he obviously has a has a big league hitters batting eye. He wasn't going to chase a bad pitch. Uh, you know, Michael Krause was a very, very good defensive outfielder, had some power, has a ton of speed. I mean, there were some there are some really, really skilled players in the American Association. And and I was. I don't want to say I was surprised at, at the quality of play, but I, w I was pleasantly surprised, I guess is probably the best way to put it at the quality of play. It was, it was fun to watch and you know, it's, it's, it was, it was, it was a fun, fun 60 games. That's for sure. Yeah, it really was. I, I know that, that 
there's a reason the guys that have been in, in Major League Baseball, and I'm sure you said it on the broadcast, going, oh, here's so-and-so. You know, two years ago, he was with the Diamondbacks, pitch for da da So you saw why these yeah. guys were in, were in Major League Baseball and some that were in camps even this year, uh, whether they stuck or, you know, obviously didn't. But you see why. And and easily you could pull – I could grab a number of arms that you could pluck and, and put in a Major League Baseball game tonight. And they'd be getting outs, you know, they, they'd get out. There's no question about it. So it was good. And, and on a side note, the weather, I don't know how you guys were all year in Chicago, but uh, we had like one of our best weather seasons. There was just maybe a couple of times where the like rain got it, but you know, between that and then the COVID we never knew about, you know, we didn't know what was going on right now. The Dakotas are, I get it. If you've looked at the newspaper or heard reports, the Dakotas got numbers that are spiking, but, you know, Dakotas are also testing like crazy up here. I mean, it's like, like I walk out and I stumble into another, oh, wait, I just tested. Wait, we're, te- we're testing. But I thought that was the one thing because I was doing basketball in March and then boom, that got banged and bang, everything got banged. And all of a sudden going, how how's anybody going to do anything? Yeah. And then they found a way in the American Association. So kudos to the league for being able to navigate like I always say, like trying to drive a car wash through a toaster, we somehow found a way to get through it. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, there was some questions right off as as far as COVID goes. There there were some questions right off the bat because that first series of the season between the dogs and the milkmen, a couple of the milkmen players tested positive. Right. Um. So they had they had to cancel one game, but that was I think the only game or postpone one game. I guess that was the only game I believe in the entire season in the for the for the entire league that was postponed due to covid so uh they did they did a great job of 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 keeping the the players and coaches safe and you know a lot of that falls in the lap of of the coaching staffs and you know I can tell you from from conversations with Butch how seriously he took the sure. the, the league precautions you know Butch I mean he's up there in age and he's got medical right. health he's got some medical issues and so I mean he was very straightforward with me. I take this stuff seriously. You know, even if other coaches don't, I'm going to take, I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to make sure that I'm staying safe. I'm going to make sure my players stay safe. One of the last things he said to me in in one of my last pregame interviews was that, you know, we're struggling a little bit on the field, but we're batting a thousand against COVID. And, and I mean, he took that, he took that really seriously, you know, to make sure that his players were, and that's why like, I didn't travel with the team. They they kept me separate from the team because I wasn't around the team every day, so they didn't know what I was doing. They didn't know, you know, what I was doing when I wasn't calling games. So I didn't travel with the team, you know. And and they did that for the players' safety, for the coaches' safety, and and and, and I can respect that. So as far as the weather goes, we had uh, we had in, in, here in Chicago we had we had some uh, uh, streaks of of bad weather, like the last week of the season. It rained every single day, um, but on the road. Uh, yeah, we got really lucky. We had one one rain out in Fargo, wasn't it? Yeah, we had one rain out in Fargo, yeah. Yeah. and that we had to, that we had to make up and play a doubleheader, and and that was it. That was that was the only rain out we had in in any of our uh, any of our road games. So uh, we got, which is, I mean, you can't talk talk to how huge that is with 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 the condensed season. You know, if you start getting multiple rainouts, you see what the dogs had at the end of the season. They if Dogs would have had to have played back to back double headers the last two games of the season if they if they wanted to get all those games in. So 
So um, yeah, so we got we had we had some some pretty good success with the weather and 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 that sort of thing. So yeah, all in all, it was a good season. I had a lot of fun, and you know we'll 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 see where where things go next year. But but I hope to to be a part of it in in some capacity for sure. So um, uh, Jack, let's I want to I want to take a step back now, and I want to I want to talk a little bit about you and and your history because you've been you've been with the the Red Hawks since the beginning, right? Yes. So yes, I took a, I had a window there where I, I moved and came back, but yes. So original broadcaster. So how did you, um, not necessarily with the Red Hawks, but you know, for someone like me, who's, who's trying to, 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 you know, kind of ease their way or get work their way into this industry. How, how did you get started? And obviously things were different, you know, 20, 25 years ago than they are today, but how did you get started in the, in the, in, in the broadcasting industry? funny Aaron because you know I didn't even know that this was what I'm was going to do but like you know how how everybody gets everybody's story is different but you know I I just yeah I found a mentor found a guy that was doing something I love you and I talked before we came on this zoom is that you're like you know we don't do this to make millionaire you know a million dollars and all that but boy it it sure is kind of neat you right it it feels right it fits right it's all that and I I remember watching uh, my high school play-by-play guy. I, all I thought he did was do high school for play-by-play. I realized they did like the, the the egg markets at noon on the local station. And all <laughs> stuff. But he was he was really good at what he did. His voice was just he was just had a tempo. You know, and he, down right right side kicks. I'm like I just enamored by his job. So I started imitating him like when I was a sophomore and I was fortunate enough to be on the varsity as a sophomore and we'd get on our charter bus for our road trips and I'd sit in the bus and start, oh, there's Lee Halvers and the key jump shot basket. And I'd try to do his voice. So I imitated him so darn long that I became, I'm almost stolen his, his tempo and pace and even voice to some degree. Uh, so anyway, so I thought, well, so you could actually make a living doing this. So then I started sitting in when he was doing games. When I was in college, I'd come back in the summer and I'd sit. Long story short, I thought, you know what? Maybe that is my calling. Maybe that's what I'll do. So how do you do it? Well, how do you do it if you're a young person or a middle-aged person or a 30-something? You know, well, you, you find a place that'll hire you. You know, find a place that, <laughs> that needs you. You know, why would you, why would you not go to some place where the opportunity that you want to do isn't there? So I'm thinking, what can I find out that, where can I go that, that has that opportunity? And I took a, you know, an evening job and, and rock radio and, and, uh, in Fargo out of school and, and, uh, my buddies would call in and request songs like, ah, oh, play Judas Priest, another thing coming, come on, play. <laughs> you know, which is funny because I'd have another one of my old teammates that would call in and request Delta Dawn by, was it, Tanya Tucker's. And I'm like, I, we I don't can't play, play that. that. <laughs> we don't play that. This is ACDC country. Right. So, but I would record when they'd call in, I'd record them and put them over a reel. And then I'd back before people did it, and I'd ramp that call into the song, you know, and, and so my boss then thought, geez, you see what he's doing at night? He's ramping these calls. That's pretty, I get moved to mornings, you know, and I start doing mornings now. And all of a sudden you're, you're kind of off your, in your radio gig, but my whole love was sports. And we had an AM signal and I went to my boss and I said, well, you know, everybody else doing sports. Why don't we sell some sports and do sports? You want to do sports? Of course I want to do sports, sports guy. And I played and, blah, blah, blah. 
And so that's what happens. We go, oh, go ahead and do a, you know, we want to do a state tournament basketball. Certainly. Yeah. Want to sell it. Hey, we got some sold. Great. Can I pick anybody that can do color? Sure. Pick whoever you want. Grab my friends. We go out and drive and I start doing play by play. And that lent itself to a job that I went to a radio station because of my morning show, their afternoon guy on the radio station of Fargo went to WCCO in Minneapolis and still is the morning guy at CCO. Dave Lee he was one of the legendary guys. So I was hired to fill in when Dave left the station in Fargo. And that's when our ownership, and you got, I think he almost got to get a little lucky too, as you know, Aaron, because the people that owned us in also in 95 started to get into this whole independent baseball. We're going to buy this team and we're going to be part of a three tier ownership. Dan Gladden, you know, Gene Allen, a, a corporate lawyer in Minneapolis, and Fargo's Otter Tail Power Company. And and um, they kind of, Danny, they, you know, love Dan, but they kind of let, uh, you know what, Dan, because I think Dan might even want to play or manage or own or do a little bit of everything. Why not? What yeah, the heck? Right. But the other two are like, nah, they kind of bought that third out. So, and then they were looking for a broadcaster. Obviously, they're going to buy this team, and it's 1995. And, you know, they're going to need an announcer. By this time I had done enough play by play and done some stuff where I was doing an afternoon show. That was more of a health heart pocketbook afternoon show. Mm-hmm. And then I do sports. So they hired their GM, John Dietrich, who was a baseball gypsy, longtime affiliated guy that he was their GM and they needed a play by play guy. And I knew that they needed a play they needed voice. They needed to hire people. Josh Buckholz, who's now the executive director. He was part of the, you know, early parts of that. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, they came to me and they said, and I, by this time I was doing like CBA basketball. I'd either do the PA at the Fargo dome, mm-hmm. or if we aired a game, I would do the play by play of it. And the GM said, I heard you're really good at public address announcing. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a connoisseur of public and like <laughs> leading off the shortstop number 25, you know, right. I, yeah, I've got I the voice. You know, yeah. You know, just a connoisseur of PA announcing, you know? So I said, yeah, I like doing that, but I'd rather do play by play. Uh, it goes, Oh yeah. Oh, you do baseball. I'm like, well, yeah, well, technically, or, and I had done maybe Fargo's had the American Legion world series. Uh, it used to be in a rotation. So I'd go do games for like, you know, teams in Hawaii that would never send their announcers. So right. I did some Legion games. So I didn't have anything on tape other than the sound of an aluminum bat, you know, you know, it's just not. And he goes, well, send me, bring me a tape and we'll sit down and listen. And, and, you know, if we like it, boom, your job, you you got the Red Ox gig. You'll be the original, like fantastic. Yeah. Well, I don't have anything on tape of, of professional baseball. So I went to my went home and I sat down in my basement and, and I think Cleveland and Seattle were playing an American league playoff series and did what we all do. Right. I turned the sound down and did play by play of three innings of Cleveland and Seattle and brought it back to the station, put some ambient sound around it. And the next day I brought it into John Dietrich, the GM and his office. I said, here's my tape. And I was going to leave. He goes, nah, sit down. Let's listen together. And I'm like, Oh, uh, oh boy. <laughs> you know, then we all, cause we're all got a little bit of self insecurity. Oh like, yeah. Well, for sure. Recorded that. Yeah. You know, I was watching TV, you know, I have a, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and, and uh, which is a note to young people. Don't worry about that stuff. They know people know they, if you got it, they'll hear it. And John listened to about 20 seconds of that. I don't know what, what he heard, but if it was just a simple, 
you know, here's a two, one pitch hideaway three and one, the count beautiful day here in Cleveland. I don't know what he heard, but whatever it was, he goes, that's the sound. That's the pace. You got it. I'm thinking I just labored for hours. putting it. <laughs> he listened for 20 seconds and said, job is yours. I'm like, yours. Oh my God. So that's kind of how I got the job. But it, you know, to back to the question of how you get in, you know, I, I had to seek out, you know, again, I was young, um, not single, but dating at the time before engaged and married and children, all that. And, right. But I had to seek out a path that wasn't laden with, you know, a high salary right out of the gate and, uh, and did what I had to do to get it. But, you know, it, you can't sit by and, you know, there's a fine line to me. There's the, we should, we should, we should, we should. And then you annoy your boss long enough and maybe they give in or you, we should be doing, we should be doing. And you know, your boss long enough to have him show you the door going, you know what? I don't. So there's that fine line I've had to balance about what I want, what's good for the station, what I can do, you know, what can make a dollar revenue, but that's kind of how I got started. So I, you know, I've, I've done so much of, you know, of, of IBA basketball and D league basketball and CBA basketball and college football and college basketball and NCAA basketball with North Dakota state and, and you know, Red Hawks baseball and all that. But, you know, none of that would have gotten to a spot where it was if I wouldn't have, you know, gotten to a place that allowed me to broadcast sports. So, and the man that did that just passed away like a week ago, Jim Lackaduck which was just sad for me because he was the one that gave me a, a first shot. But, you know, that's, I, I get emails almost once a week, a couple times a week that, that ask, Hey, I want to get into sports and I want to do this. And do you have a spot open? And, and I wish like our company was hiring left and right, you know, or I wish I knew companies that were hiring left and right. It's so it's tougher now, but it's not impossible. So it's not at all. Yeah, and you have to be willing to, step outside of what you're comfortable doing. I mean, I, you know, I love baseball, you know, like every other, you know, young kid growing up in, you know, in America, I love baseball. I've always, you know, it's always, it's always been a, a, a love of mine and hockey. I grew up in new England, you know, you're in North Dakota. I went to the university in New Hampshire, you know, hockey is huge up there. So, you know, I've always been a sport. I've always been a, 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 a sports guy. It's always been my dream, always been my passion, but I also understand that, you know, I'm not going to get a phone call tomorrow from Nesson asking me if I want to be the play-by-play guy for the Bruins. You know, there's, there's, there's a process there and that process involves you doing things that maybe you aren't. I mean, you talked about doing, you know, a, a being a rock DJ and hosting a, a, a non-sports talk show. I mean, I, I, you know, I've called division three volleyball and I've done, you know, division three swim meets and, you know, I've done a ton of high school. And I, you know, I'll tell you, I absolutely love doing high school sports. The passion you see from those kids and those coaches is, is second to none, but you know, people think that, you know, you're going to wake up and you get a phone call from, you know, the, the, the Ricketts right. family going, Hey, you want to, you want to come to the North side and, and you know, and, and call the Cubs games. You know, it's, it's not how right. it works. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, I mean, and I think that's kind of the story that most people sort of expect 
you know, that you right. have to follow to, to, to really get into this. And that it brings up an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, question for you is, 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 is how do you, is it difficult or do you find it to be difficult where to wear so many hats? I mean, you know, obviously this it's, it's an unusual time right now, but if this, if, if COVID wasn't a thing right now, you would still be calling Fargo Moorhead baseball. You would right. be getting ready for North Dakota football. You would have your daily sports talk show. You would be getting ready for the women's North Dakota basketball season. How, how did you, how did you juggle all that? It's a, it's a great question. Now I really feel old. You know, the, uh, it's funny because, you know, I'll never stop being Jack. Aaron will never stop being Aaron. You like you, you have a great personality laid back. Maybe that comes with a family too and life experiences and, Nothing shocks you anymore, you know, or living in near big, you know, big city of Chicago, nothing shocks you. But even in Fargo-Moorhead, you know, uh, you know, I, I never let myself get consumed. I used to laugh when people would say, you know how many people want that job? Never really, never comes into my mindset. I, I don't care. I'm confident enough of what I do. I know I'm, I got a decent personality. I, I tend to work well with others. I listen. And the most important thing is I, you know, I, to, to the wearing all those hats in broadcasting, I never lose sight for a second of what's coming out of a radio speaker. So I never lose sight of what a listener, you know, what I'm, why we do this. You know, I never for once, it's never about me. It's never for you. I'm sure you'll say it's not about me. It, it's about, you know, the, the game. So, and it's only about the, the listener and what they're hearing out of that speaker. So I never lose sight of that. So what do I have to do? whether it's my noon show, you know, to put together a show that a listener might find intriguing or might find a guest intriguing or might find a topic intriguing or might want to play on the air with a topic. So that's that, you know, my sports cast in the morning that I, at six and seven, eight o'clock in the morning, you know, what, you know, what am I putting together that tells the story of last night that a listener might understand it better, you know, for basketball, you know, same thing. What is, what is it? I'm telling a story about the university of North Dakota that a listener, this game, football, same thing. So it's always about what's coming out of the speaker, and it allows me to never have to worry about anything other than what's coming out. And as long as I lock in and focus on that, it kind of puts a now the mental, the prep stuff is where obviously guys like us that you know I could tell you, and I'm sure you're the same way on Friday nights on football weekend trips. You know, it's just littered. You know, maybe some of the crew is heading out you know, enjoying the local town, wherever we are, you know, and, and doing games in the big sky for 10 years. It's, it's, uh, you know, Portland, Sacramento, Missoula, Bozeman, you know, out near Seattle, you know, it's easy to get lost, but my Friday nights are two deeps and notes sped all over my bed, you know, study, 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 study by Wednesday. If I don't have, if I can't name you, you know, 40 guys, you give me the number, I'll give you the name position and a little bit. If I don't have that by Wednesday, I'm falling behind. I don't have that by Friday. I'm in trouble. I don't have by Saturday. Katie bar the door. So my mind doesn't allow me to, to, um, to do that. So as long as I have that, then, then the rest is just, what can I, how do I describe this to the listeners? So it it really, it's time management. I'm terror. I'm not very great. I'm not the best at that, but I'm, I'm, I come from, you know, parents that were, were educators and, and so I've learned how to memorize. I've learned how to, you know, you know, because I know me. If I've got something memorized, I know maybe I could have a saying or two that's a little quirky that might be funny or, 
or maybe a, a, a call that's kind of cool. I know all that stuff is there, but that stuff doesn't matter if I don't have the foundation of what I'm doing. So I tell young, I speak to college kids and they want, you mentioned something, Aaron, and this isn't a stereotype, the younger generation, but they hear home run calls like, you know, track it down Marge that I use on baseball, or if you have a touchdown call in football, or you have this basketball call, uh, and they want to go right to that. They ask mm-hmm. it that, do I need a big game? You know, well, I would say, yeah, but I mean, you're going to the end, you know, it's not about the finish. It's about everything in the middle. You know, I says you've got to learn that part. It's tempo, it's pace, it's timing, it's study, it's little nuggets. You can drop in, not all at once, but every now. So I hope that young people getting into it, come in with that attitude of broadcasting because it's good. That's what's going to sustain you because you're not going to have a whole oh, Joey, Joey is not going to hit four home runs every game. <laughs> you know, right. you might actually have to do, here's the two, one pitch hideaway, three balls and one strike. Hey, did I tell you Chicago's having a parade tomorrow? You know, that, that might be what is, is it, but so that's, that's in a nutshell is kind of how I juggle everything. It's always the listener in mind. That's the job that I have. It's preparation leading up, which means I'm probably going to be better off not to fail at my job when I'm prepared. And the rest takes, you know, rest lays itself out. Yeah. I mean, once you once you're on the air, I mean, I, I, I'm always I'm still, you know, new enough to this that that first 10 to 15 seconds that I go live, I always I still have butterflies. I see, you know, sure. I, I, you once I'm I'm into my into my pregame, I you know, those those butterflies tend to dissipate relatively quickly. But 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 once you're on the air, I mean, that's the easy stuff. Calling the game innings one through nine or quarters one through. That's the easy stuff, man. It's 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 everything you're doing in that week leading up to the road trip or the football game or the seven the seven baseball games over six days. That's that's the stuff that that, you know, I, I think personally I have a, a strong enough work ethic. And for me, it's not even work. I mean, to, to you know, if you told me 20 years ago that that my work would involve me sitting and, you know, scrounging through baseball reference at, at statistics of baseball players, I would have said, sure, sign me up, you know? So, yeah, it, it, that, that prep, you can't, you know, I, I'm new to this, you're the veteran, but, you know, you can't, I don't think you can, you can stress enough how important it is to, that your broadcast is going to be successful or not successful based on the amount of work you do leading up to it. You can have the greatest on-air voice in the world, but if you're not prepared and it's yeah. going to come out, it's going to, it's going to show. And isn't that funny, Aaron, because someone will say, Oh, well, of course you do what you do. Listen, you've got such a great voice. Listen to your voice. It's so easy. And that's good. You know, if you're not, if your voice is, is, you know, is confusing to listen to or something like that. I get it. That, that might play a factor, but I always tell, you know, young people, you know, don't confuse your audience. You know, you get some people, in fact, here's the thing. So when I got the, when John Dietrich listened to 20 seconds of my tape and said, you got that job, you're our guy. Wow. Went home, told my, I think fiance, I suppose at the time it would be or whatever, maybe girlfriend, maybe before I dropped on one knee and asked the question, and and the first person I called, and only because he would do some radio shows with me, was Kevin Harlan, who was one of the great oh, wow. voices. Yeah. Kevin Harlan. So Kevin was he did the Timberwolves quite a bit. You know, he was the voice of the Timberwolves when they were terrible, but Harlan was so good. You didn't miss a broadcast Kevin Harlan did. 
it was legendary stuff. So I, having had Kevin on a number of sports shows back in that day, I get the job. I call him right away. He doesn't answer. It goes to voicemail. Kevin, this is Jack. Uh, got a question for you. If you have time later tonight, give me a buzz. I get home. My fiance at the time says, phone rings. I'm downstairs. You're not going to believe who just, hold on, I'll get him. And it's Kevin. Jack, you called. I'm like, yes, Kevin, I won't take too much of your time. Thanks for coming on last week, by the way, on the show. It sounded great. Question. Just got a baseball gig, and it's for a professional baseball team. And I've done baseball, but not at this, you know, that level or realm. Tips. And Kevin says, Jack, I haven't done baseball. I don't know baseball. I said, I know, but you were the voice of the Chiefs, like, at the age of 25. So, you know, you, you've been around. You're kind around, of at the top yeah. of the day. You're about as good as there is. And I remember this distinctly. And Kevin just said, look, and, and you know this. He says, look, if it comes down to just spilling out stats all over the place or telling a story, tell a story. <laughs> and I'm like, that's exactly right. I said, thanks. He goes, yeah, good luck. So it, it's kind of neat. I hung up and boom. And so stats important, story even better. If Joey Trudoslovich is batting 340, that's outstanding. That's great. But if uh, if Joey saved a woman who was stuck in a blizzard somewhere near T, South Dakota in 1998 and jacked her car tire up and put her on a heck of a story. Right. How can I weave that in? That's kind of what Kevin was going at. And that is like that. That to me is and you get some broadcasters that never stop and let a broadcast breathe. And they got to just and fill it with stats, you know, and that's neat. But I don't know. I mean, I broadcast with my mother in mind, and she's 88 years old. And I don't know if it's nice she knows what exit velocity might be, only because maybe I described it. Uh, but as long as I describe it, but not harp on all these different nuances. Now I confuse my 88-year-old mother on exit velocity and launch angle and this and that. And all of a sudden, what am I, a rocket scientist? Yeah, got to keep in mind that the peanut vendor just walked by and spilled beer on a guy in the third row. Bomb would, that would that would bring her more to the ball game. So, you know, all that stuff is is baseball. <laughs> you don't have time in hockey, like you said, or basketball, yeah. but that's baseball. Yeah, it's you know, it's more about painting, literally painting a picture of of what you're seeing. You know, one of my favorite things to talk about is you know the color of the sky as the sun is starting to set and you know, what the clouds look like off in the disc. Cause you're, you're painting, you're, you're drawing that image for your listeners of, of not just what the batter at the plate is hitting for the year or how many home runs he has, or, you know, how many strikeouts the pitcher has on the game, but you're allowing them to, to be there with you. And especially now where people really can't be there with you to be able right. to, to, to draw that picture for them and say, this is what things look like at the ballpark. Baseball right. affords you that opportunity to do that. So it's just you, awesome. I I found myself lately in the last decade or so, or five years or so, using more rhetorical, just weaving rhetorical questions in. Just you know, you know, I, I wonder why the Red Hawks shift so dramatically against uh, Casey Hobson. You know, all he has to do is hit it well, and then here's the pitch pulled to the right side. Oh, he pulled it I, through the ship. And then, but at least someone's going, well, yeah, I mean, he pulled it, you know, I, so I always say, you know, I wonder if he's going to run 
in this situation? Let's find out. Here's the pitch. You know, boy, it looks to me like, you know, Logan Landon's playing or Alonzo Harris, a very shallow center field. But, of course, he always does. And then all of a sudden you get lucky. Someone pops one and Edwin Arroyo clears Alonzo Harrison center. And right. someone goes, ooh, Aaron did. He just told us he was playing shallow. Remember? Yeah. One rhetorical question confirms and makes announcers look like more geniuses than we sometimes <laughs> are. <laughs> so, Jack, I only I only have a couple more questions for you. You've been more yeah. than generous with your time today. So, I again, I, I appreciate that. But first question is, is you've been, you know, call it what you want, a staple of, of the Fargo and a sporting world for, you know, over two decades now. Has there, have you ever had an opportunity to go to a larger market? If so, what is it about Fargo that keeps you there? It, well, 22 years, 23 years ago, it was the waiting of my identical twin daughters and probably would. Sure. You know, I th- those four, those children, they're, they're beautiful girls. And I know that they're, over the last several years, I was like, Dad, why don't you just get a job with the twins? Dad, why don't you just get a job with the da-da-da? Dad, why, you know, the, the concept of, and even though you have ties, and I think somehow they feel like they're, they're guilty if they held Dad back because they know that Dad made decisions tr- based on family as opposed to a career sure. in a bigger market. I'd rather be around family and them than uh, than whatever gain it would have been. And there had been times over the years and, in you know, I remember Round Rock and Sacramento, there's some things open. Maury, my broadcast partner, allowed me to uh, to be in a close touch with guys that either own teams or were decision makers on their teams. I have a mutual, I have a friend in Chicago there when I, I know that there was a, there was an opening in a, in, in a Cubs system. Pat Hughes, by the way, is one of my favorite play-by-play guys mm-hmm. on the planet. And there was an opening there for pre-post in, in certain spots that I might've been able to jump into, but it didn't fit with salary and being a family guy and all those things. So there've been a number of opportunities and I've always defaulted back to, you know, yes, all that is great. Uh, but being away from the girls, I, I just, I didn't want to make that to have to happen. And many people have to make those choices in life and they're not, they're not easy. So I, I, I've chosen that route. Got an old saying, bloom where you're planted. So wherever I am planted, I try to blossom there. And so I said, you know what, if, if this is where I'm at, you know, I'm going to make the best of it and get my hands in as much and do as good as I can and all that. And I, I won't regret not, you know, driving mm-hmm. to pursuing the Memphis Redbirds job or a Round Rock job or a Sacramento job or, you know, a friend of mine that that bought a WNBA team in L.A. She's a former North Dakota girl. She has since sold it or pursuing something in L.A. And, and yeah, so to me, it was like, yeah, the opportunities have been there without question. And, you know, who knows? You know, I'm I'm still young. I'm not 100. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, hey, and I, I can respect. I have four kids myself. And, yeah, and you know what that's about. Y- yeah. You know, the, the, there there have been, you know, I've been offered positions down in southern Illinois, which are, you know, six, sure. seven hours away. And, and it's tempting. You know, don't get me wrong, especially me where I'm, I'm trying to get into this for the first time. It's it's tempting. But but I'm happy doing this. I'm happy calling high school games and, you know, getting these opportunities to, to step in for Sam this year and doing the dogs games. And, you know, and if, Let if me so- stop you there too, Aaron. Let me ask you this. 
Uh, I know you're asking me, but let me ask you. Sure. My guess is, and knowing you for now, as I've known you, you wouldn't call a high school hockey game or volleyball game or baseball game or basketball any different than you'd call a Boston Bruins game or a Celtics game or a Red Sox game, right? No, absolutely. You know, and I said this a little bit earlier. I, I absolutely love uh, calling high school sports. There's there's something, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but there's something pure about it. You know, I, I, I tell a story I did. Um, I was the, the color guy for uh, the West Aurora boys basketball team this past season. The play by play guy, uh, Neil Ormond, has been calling West Aurora games for nearly 50 years. Wow. Um, and so I step in year number one. I'm his I'm his color guy. And, and we go through the season and, and the team struggles. They were like nine and 18 or something. They're generally a powerhouse, but they struggled this year. They lost like their top four scorers. And it was just, it was a difficult season, uh, but they made a run in the postseason. They beat a 23 win team and a 27 win team to win the uh, sectionals or one to win the regionals. And they went on to the sectional, uh, the sectional uh, tournament. This was, Right before COVID, you said you were doing basketball in, in March. So was I. So was I. I actually did the last, uh, the last basketball game in the state of Illinois that allowed fans. Because the very next day, the NBA shut down, and then two days later, the IHSA shut down. Uh, but they lost in the sectional championship game to their rival, which is East Aurora. It's Aurora, Illinois, is broken up. There's multiple schools. West and East are, are huge rivals. They've played 280 times or something over the last 120 years. And the game ended. West lost by, I don't even remember, it was 10 or 12 points. It wasn't all that close. But I remember I went up to, I I always did a pre and a post game interview with the head coach, the, the Brian Johnson, who's sure. fantastic, fantastic guy. And you know, this game ended and his players are crying and, you know, East Aurora is celebrating on the court and, you know, the fans are on the court and, and everything else. So I made the decision that, you know, I was going to let, I was going to let coach go be with his players. You know, I was going to let him go, you know, make sure that his kids were doing okay and, and everything else. And he came up to me and he said, Hey, do you want to talk? And I, I was completely taken aback by it. And I said, yeah, of course. So I interviewed him for, you know, five or 10 minutes after the game. And when the interview was over, I was completely blown away because you aren't going to see that in, in, you know, in professional sports, you're not going to see somebody who's, who, who actively seeks out a reporter post game after dropping a playoff game and going, Hey, do you want to talk? You know, these guys that, you know, they sit, they sit at the podium and they answer the questions as generically as possible and they, and they move on. But, but coach Johnson came up to me, he, he, he seeked me out in the crowd and made himself available. And, and, and it was at that point I said, man, I I love high school sports. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That, that, that to me, again, that you mentioned the word, there's a pure purity to amateurism. And, and I still try to believe you know, colleges like that, but even though the more we go about this, yeah. sometimes even college gets, it seems like it gets a little tainted, but, but the high school, that's why this year when the COVID hit and both financially from station standpoints, many, many media companies were losing money because no nobody's advertised, nobody's open. It's tough right. on everybody. And so, you know, I thought, God, what can we do at our station? We service a pretty good chunk of people 
And I came up with Little League Night in America. And my GM said, what's that? I said, well, here's the deal. Here's my idea. I said, you know, we got nothing going on. Red Hawks aren't starting, you know, probably. I said, what if we took one of our guys, our talk show guys, big political talk show guys, he has this big motor home that's sponsored with ag sponsors and all this farming and stuff. Yeah. I said, what if we took uh, his motor home to little league fields that are playing and I treat, I give him a full bore play-by-play. We put it on one of our big stations. And since we don't have the twins on, I'll broadcast it, but I'll do it no different than I would a Fargo Moorhead Red Hawks game. Well, that's great. And we'll, and we'll do it like even, you know, so we started doing like you see in the Little League World Series. So I'd go out there and before I'd say, what's your name? And, you know, what what do you like? Your food? And and you'd get it. You know, I'm Tommy. I love turtles. I'm <laughs> I love playing. And what was coming out, so we did not knowing how it was going to be. And that first night was like a home run, you know, and these kids are. So we're right next to the diamond. And we got speakers. We're on the radio, and we've got speakers there in the field. And I'm like, "Here's Joey Bucknell. Here's the pit. Oh, swung on, driven high and deep. And it might be going to the back of the infield. You know, it's chaos because it's little league, right? Yeah, you know, the kids are all flashing. And then we we did their intros. I'm Aaron. I love trucks. I'm this. So I that came at the beginning. We did that bumper music in, called three innings of a baseball game, sewed it up, capped it up banked it, saved it. So we did it live. And then the parents went berserk. So we did that literally for like two months at little league fields all around the Metro area in the rural areas. And by the time we were about our fourth little league game in, people were coming out from these local little communities and umpires were just, you know, everybody lifted their game up. And it was like, this is as pure as it gets. It doesn't get any more pure than this. And I had as much fun there as I would call it a Red Hawks championship, you know, back in the day. So back to you, you said the word purity in sport. That's just clicked my mind that that that's what it is. Yeah, it, it, that's that's fantastic. I mean, you know, that that's a memory that that those kids will will take with them. And that's you know, that's that's that that's kind of how I would go into into these games, into these 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 high school games. You know, I mean, West Aurora basketball would have fifteen hundred people there, you know, in sure. their prime. So it wasn't a it wasn't a small deal, but. You know, I would call, you know, I did uh, uh, high school hockey. I was a, the play-by-play guy for a high school hockey team um, here north uh, north of, of Chicago. And uh, they had a difficult year. They won one game all season. Um, but my call of their one victory, it was an overtime victory, is probably my favorite, probably the, my favorite call that I have done prior right. to prior to to doing the dogs this season, the ten run ninth inning. I mean, it, it was it was so emotional, yeah. and and to see the kids' reaction and the parents' reaction, yeah. and just be involved in that, and to yeah, be a man, part that, of that, is such a good feeling. And again, that tells me more about Aaron uh, because the same reason I wasn't thrilled because it was like the parents were gooing and gaga. I'm thrilled because that ten year old. Mm-hmm just thinks this is the best thing in the world I'm on the radio because what you just said, those kids were so see, and that's a deal. And the minute that young broadcasters, if you're in it, um, to, to, Hey, you all got to have tapes. You got to have how you sound on tape. I get that. But if you're in it, because you know, the dunk call you made was fantastic. That's good. It kind of makes you feel good that you had a good call and you treated it right. But in your genuine heart of heart, you're doing it because, it, it highlighted the athlete or highlighted the little leaguer or highlighted the hockey player. 
you know, that, that scored the game winning goal. If that's the reason you're doing it, then, then, you know, you're on track to a long, nice career uh, of doing it. The other people, and we get it all, don't we, Aaron? I mean, in our, in our business, it's, you can tell the announcers that are just in it to get it and they'll even post it. Listen to me here. Listen to me here. As opposed to, uh, you know, the dogs won. What a hit by Joey T or yeah. Edwin Arroyo with the, there's a difference in our, our field. And there's some that I think get it. Some that maybe don't so much. Yeah. So my, my, my last question for you, Jack is, is you've called a lot of games in your 20 plus years in, in Argo area. You could, relive one moment as a play-by-play guy, what would it be? Wow. Uh, excuse me. Did you ask me which daughter I liked better? <laughs> well, they're <laughs> twins. So I, I hope the answer is neither of them, but <laughs> it's hard. Which one of my identical twins I like better? Yeah. It's a hard question. I know it's a hard question, but I am. Um, there's one moment I keep coming to, Let's stay with baseball then. And since we're talking American Association, you know, Chris Coast, as you've maybe come to know a little bit, who has a great story. Uh, Chris is now the interim manager of the Fargamore Red Hawks. Uh, Chris, uh, uh, raised by his mother only, you know, uh, Ray, you know, his story is one of went, went to Division three uh, school, you know, spent many years in, in minor league baseball and finally got a shot you know, and uh, worked his way. And with the Phillies went up and won a World Series in 2008, was a big part of that Phillies team. So the ending is a phenomenal story of a World Series title. But back when Chris was just, um, you know, the local guy who the Red Hawks signed because he was a good athlete and he's a local guy. You know, he didn't have that success Darren Erstead did, you know, out of the gate, first overall selection overall. Travis Hafner went on to a nice career. He's a North Dakota guy. You know, you mentioned Roger Maris, right. Rick Helling was a pitcher for the Rangers. You know, there have been a lot of North Dakota guys, but Chris hadn't been on that form yet. And so he's playing for the Red Hawks. And we're in a postseason series against uh, Winnipeg, which was the, is the Red Hawks' rival, you know, and, and really was heated back in the day. I mean, it was heated. And uh, it was a dark night, darker than a stack of black cats. I mean, just pitch black night. And, uh, and uh, the base is loaded, and Coaster is at the plate, and the count gets to three and one in this playoff game against Winnipeg. And your heart, because Chris, you know, even the short hair back then kind of reminds you like of watching a Roger Maris as a young boy, and he's the local guy. And the three one pitch comes in, and it's seven inches off the plate. I mean, ball four, and I'm into the call, ball four, and it's a delayed strike call. Oh, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Now back then I was probably a little younger and more like, well, how could that be a strike? Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, tough break, you know, whatever. Right. So Chris is three steps to first and he, uh, he had already, you know, assumed ball four. Here's the strike. And he gets back in the play in the box. And that next pitch was a hanging slider that, that got too much of the plate. And Chris puts a swing on it and he sends it into that Newman outdoor field night to left field and you broadcast games there between the scoreboard and what I call the fair pole down the left field right. line. So, and it's gone. I mean, it is into the night and the emotion and the coolness of the fall air and a playoff. And the fact that it was Chris, the local guy that wasn't Daryl Motley, who was on the team that was a world series champion with Kansas city, that it wasn't some of these big name guys that it was the local guy 
against the big-time team. Rick Forney was a pitcher for the Gold Eyes, and he homers. So we went from the ball four, oh, my gosh, agony, to back in the box, and the next pitch he hit, he homers. And I, I think my call was so, you know, you wish you were on Cinemax because you probably wanted to use profanity because you were so just your body. And I, I think I said, oh, my gosh, you know, Chris, I think I got to track it down margin. But that night, that feeling for him is one where you can just embody yourself in what's going through his mind. And we live vicariously kind of through these athletes. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I get goosebumps. Chris may have won a World Series with Philly, but I guess if, if I called him up right now, I had him come over and jump on with you. He would think that that highlight was as big as the four hits he got off the Mets to put the Phillies in first place in the NL East race in 2008, maybe even bigger. So uh, that to me was uh, that to me is a memory that I'll I'll not forget when it comes to baseball. No question. Talk about living vicariously through these players, and we talked a little bit about this before we went uh, before we went live. But but as a broadcaster, you really need to treat these games just like the team does win or lose when the game's over the game's over and you got to start preparing for the next one you can't you can't dwell on your mistakes you can't dwell on the mistakes that were made by the team but when something like that happens like i when when we did the when we did that first game in sioux falls and the dogs were were trailing nine to one going into the ninth inning and they scored 10 including a game tying grand slam I, they ended up losing that game in 11 innings, but I got back to the hotel and I'll, I'll tell you, I couldn't sleep. I was so wired and I was so, I was so energized from the experience and I did nothing other than tell people what was happening. And, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't involved. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell Tyler to, 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 to look for a, for a hanging slider on three, one. Right. I, I was up in, you know, I was a hundred feet away up in the press box, just calling it. But I, you know, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine after the game and and I had to ask, you know, I was convinced that I was going to have to go in and I was going to have to edit down the audio because I was sure that my call, you know, I was so loud and so energetic that everything was spiking. And he was like, no, you sounded great. It sounded natural. And, you know, but I was so wired from it that I don't think I slept until probably one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. It's it was amazing. Such, and that's, that's yeah. like the little kids in us that, uh, that it's what only brings out of sports. I mean, I don't know anything else. I mean, if we, I don't know, maybe if we broadcast a band concert, maybe we would get excited about the saxophone right. solo. I love a good saxophone, you well, know, who doesn't? Yeah, I was, uh, but no, that's, that's, I just spent last night. Unfortunately, we had a former NDSU basketball player at the age of 29. Uh, his funeral was today past yeah. wife, newborn, a child, very, just, just sad. Uh, so a lot of the guys in summer playing pro ball overseas and they're all over the country. They all got back together last night and we were just hashing out old stories and, and finally remembering, and we brought up when, uh, North Dakota State was playing Notre Dame, and it's so funny because, you know, yeah, you got a, a mid-major D1 versus Notre Dame at Notre Dame, and I was just I was re- reflecting on how they uh, when you get there and you know you do a basketball game at Notre Dame, all the ushers are in red coats, you know, jackets, and you know, oh, let me help you, Mr. Michaels. This is and they're very cordial, but it's almost like, thanks for coming. And don't take any offense yeah, when we yeah. kind of beat you. Pat Covington's on the squad, and they got a club. <laughs> North Dakota State, they didn't realize how good North Dakota State had. You know, they had a good crew, and they picked off Notre Dame. 
that day. And, you know, and speaking of Roger Maris, I roomed with his grandson, like Richie Maris was our student manager, who's Roger's brother's grandson. So that's how I got credit Notre Dame right away. Cause I, I could feel like we are, yeah. you know, there's like, there's like a pity party going on that you're going to probably lose tonight. And I'm like, Hey, you see that kid? That's Richie Maris. That's Roger. Oh my gosh. So that gave me like instant credit. And then the boys went out and beat Notre Dame. And we were talking about that. And I, that night afterwards, I sat, I went back to the hotel room and just sat there and went, wow, you know, this is, uh, this, you know, thinking about the dunks and all that and everything that happened and how, what it took, but you know, it, it, it just confirms, but again, you had as much fun in that hockey game, overtime win, one win all season long yep. as I did calling my a little league game this summer, as I did calling a Bison game, beat North uh, Notre Dame. It it's all to me, it's all the same. <laughs> it right? is, it is. Well, well, Jack, we we've been we've been chatting here for over an hour, so I want to uh, want to give you the rest of your evening back. I I really I appreciate your time. Um, you know, thanks for for joining me tonight. Thanks for for making things fun for me up in Fargo. It, it's you know, it's it's intimidating, man. You know, when 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 your first game is is on the road and you're in an unfamiliar place and you don't know where you're supposed to go and you don't know where you're supposed to park and you don't know where you're supposed to eat. You know, you took good care of me up there at Newman and 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 I really appreciate that. Well, I just uh, I know we hit it off right away because again, personalities are pretty casual yeah. and. And it was good. And I, I just enjoyed, like, I'm like, now that's a guy that gets it. That's a guy that's here having fun doing it. And as you remember that day going, man, this is great. And I'm sure it tells in your broadcast, it shows, you know, someone that's not having fun at what they do, you can only fake it for a while, but someone that does, you can tell forever and, and you can tell with you. So that's good. And I've got another bacon cheeseburger waiting for you. We're at Newman awesome. Outdoor Field. Awesome. Bacon cheeseburger, no pickles, no tomatoes, no onions. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. So Jack, the yeah, there we go. There we go. Jack, I, I appreciate your time today. Um, stay safe and, and hopefully, hopefully we'll get a chance to reconnect uh, at some point next season. Let's do it. Thank you, Aaron. Right. You and your family be safe there in the great Chicago area. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Jack. You bet. I hope you enjoyed our time today with Jack Michaels. I can be reached on Twitter at SportsGuyAaron or on Facebook and YouTube at Around the World Sports. Video versions of all of my interviews are located on these platforms. Audio versions of this and all of my interviews can be found anywhere podcasts are located. Uh, while you're checking out my other content, leave me a like, subscribe, and or follow. That would be greatly appreciated. Feel free to hit me up at any of those locations if you've got questions or ideas for future interviews. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Till next time. And that's the way it is. Take care of yourself. Good night and good luck.